0: Roger has asked <clears throat> had asked some questions on the overhead. I'd like to start with a question as well. And maybe I'll rephrase this a little bit from what we heard. But if you were asked, like we, the children were asked, What, what are your plans for the future? What would you like to see happen in the future? The question I have here is: what is one of the most important, what is the most important goal you wish to accomplish in your lifetime? And I, I was touched by, by the the answers from the children and its family is something that if you th- if you look at my question you probably won't go there because you have that but it was just I was blessed by uh, the children there in Mexico some people talk in this country we talk about our, our, our bucket list which is like a number of experiences or achievements that a person wishes to accomplish in their lifetime so we ask that we say what is at the top of your list? I wasn't expecting answers, but if you have something. But what is at the top of your list? And to draw our minds to where where we're headed, Damien, thank you so much for the Sunday school lesson for the short time that you had to share in there. But Joshua asked the people, you know, folks of Israel, you're going to have to choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the gods, small g gods, or are you going to serve the Lord? And then Joshua said, Maybe this week we could look at that as his goal in life. He says, Joshua said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What is your goal? What is your ultimate plan that you had? Call it your bucket list, if you will. Where are you at? What would you like to accomplish in your lifetime? Michael Faraday was born into the home of a poor London blacksmith September 22nd, 1791. And later in life, he became known as a very famous scientist, Uh, famous discoveries, electromagnetism. Also, he was, for being the first to turn chlorine into liquid and discovering benzene. And some things we use, electric motors, electric transformers uh, reflect back to his discoveries. He continued to push into new frontiers, even developing new metal alloys in Many modern universities today, he's recognized as an exceptional scientist and a man of brilliant intellect. But some of the real facts of his life were typically left out of the story, and that is that he was a devout Christian, clearly displaying his, to his community his first passion was to, to follow Christ. So later in life, the British Empire offered him knighthood in recognition for his service to science, but he turned it down. Why? Saying it was against the word of God to accumulate riches and pursue worldly reward. Twice, he refused to become president of Britain's royal society. Later, the government offered him a burial site at uh, Westminster Abbey alongside England's kings and queens. He rejected their offer. Then just before he died, someone asked him, what he thought his occupation might be in the next world. And this is from a a book I had read, or I'm reading. Surely, uh, God must have something in mind for this great man, for all that he has, has done and accomplished. His simple response in life revealed his passion and his driving force behind his life, as well as his heart. And this is what he said. He said, I shall be with Christ, and that is enough. His interests and earthly accomplishments were not as great as his desire to be with the Lord. I asked you earlier, what is most important to you? If there was a goal you could accomplish, and I refer to the bucket list. If there's something you could say, you know, someday I would like to, and fill in the blank. I shall be with Christ, and that is enough. What is important to you today? The message this morning is the church of the living God. If you remember a number of weeks ago, if I saw it right, it was back in July, we looked at the verses where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In that message, we ask a few questions. I got three here. Number one, did you ever wonder if we are doing church the way God originally um, intended for his church to function? As we did church here this morning. More getting a little bit closer home. What is my part in the church, and am I doing my part? And then a little bit closer yet, is God pleased with my role in the church? We had looked at that, at that a number of weeks ago, but for this morning, we have three points. Number one, the purpose of the church. Number two, the privilege of Christian fellowship, and the third point is my part in the church. So, what is the purpose of the church? Or, as Roger showed, the mission and vision for the, for the organization there in Mexico. What is our mission and our vision for the church? I believe our goal and our purpose should be to accomplish God's original design and to conduct church in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And yes, I, I believe that we are doing that. For a few verses, I invite your attention to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, by the way, we're going to jump around a little bit, so uh, hopefully you're okay with that. Ephesians chapter 2, I'd like to read verses 19 through uh, verse 22. Ephesians 2 19, now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building Fitly framed together, groweth up, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now here we see the church, a family symbol described as the household of God. What I also see here is a construction site, a church as being built upon the foundation of the apostles and and uh, and prophets, but Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone and the new testament prophets are the foundation and every child of god referring to us this morning we're considered a stone in the building project now we'll get to our part that our part before long but here ready we see that every believer is considered an important part at this construction site what are we to do we're to build we're to encourage and the list goes on and on and on And the stones are forming a spiritual temple to do what? To glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And there we see the purpose. We are here this morning as a church, as a family body of believers to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Back in the Old Testament, the Lord inhabited a literal stone building, which was the temple. Today... In our New Testament time, God doesn't dwell in stone buildings, but in the hearts of those who have accepted and believe in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, the Holy Spirit is dwelling into, in our hearts and in our lives. So we're here in, um, in the building process. We're growing the Holy Temple. To tap into a few verses that Zach is talking about from 1 Peter, 1 Peter two five. Ye also... As lively stones, here we see it again. You're this morning a stone, a part in this building process, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Why? What's our reason? What's our purpose? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable <clears throat> to God by Jesus Christ. What's our purpose this morning? Are we offering up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God? Another verse, 1 Peter 2 9. A, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He goes on to say, you are a peculiar people. Why? That you should show forth the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Why are we here this morning? We weren't one time in darkness, but God has called us out. <clears throat> And we are to show forth the praises of him that has called us out of darkness. The Lord has placed, has placed you in the, in the church for an intended purpose. He purchased the church with his blood and gave us a responsibility this morning. We are to be witnesses. We are to shine. We are to praise his holy name. And yes, while I'm aware that we only scratch the surface, the question we can ask ourselves, are we a building stone in God's church? Are we playing our vital part? Are we glorifying the Lord? Are we being that faithful witness he has called us to be? That bright shining light in the community where we live? And are we a prepared people waiting for the Lord's return? Let's look a little bit for the second. The second point is the privileges of Christian fellowship. And first we're going to talk about some vital grounds for fellowship with Christ. What is required to have fellowship with Christ? Does it happen by default? No. The first one, part we need to look at, we need to confess our sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we desire that fellowship with Christ, there's a few steps we need to take care of. Confess our sins. Why? Well, brothers and sisters, we serve a holy God. We serve a holy God, a God who is pure and whom has no trace of sin nor darkness. And the Holy Spirit lives within. The Holy Spirit lives within those whose hearts are, are pure. The Lord dwells in pure hearts. So fellowship with Christ begins when we confess our sins. Then the Bible tells us that God's going to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you desire fellowship with the Lord? Step number one, we need to confess our sins. Number two, we're required to live holy lives. Zach, I'm really touching on First Peter here. I think you're past these verses. First 1 Peter 1.15 but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Conversation is our behavior, our character, our actions, and our walk of life. God says, He's holy, we are to be holy. First Peter 1:16, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Holy described as more as pure and morally blameless. You want to have fellowship with Christ? We need to be holy. We need to walk in holiness. Is that all we need to walk in? First John uh, 1, 7, we're called to walk in the light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, what happens? We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. What does walking in the light look like? To walk in the light reflects a life that lives in conformity to the revealed will of God. Brothers and sisters, are we, did we confess our sin? Are we walking in holiness? Are we walking in the light? Fellowship begins when we do our part, and God is there to forgive and to cleanse so we can walk in the light. Let's look at a few privileges of fellowship with Christ. So we took care of the the initial points. Now walk in, what are some privileges of dwelling in fellowship with Christ? You can turn to John 14 for a few verses here. The first one that we're going to look at is we can share in the Father's Presence, John 14, verses 20 through 26. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. John 14, I'm ready for verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that keepeth not my sayings, but the words, the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, which the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring Bring to your remembrance, bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And here we see the promise of the Holy Spirit. But take a second look at verse 23. And there we see unity. We see love. We see family bond and fellowship mentioned here. Jesus begins that verse, his speaking there with the word if. So if we reflect back to earlier in the message, we see love is evident as we serve as building stones in, in Christ's church. What it comes down to is that believers in Christ, of Christ, will love Christ. Do we love him to the point that we will uh, serve him obediently? So we see a few steps there in verse 23. Step number one, if we love, we're going we're gonna to serve obediently. Step number two, our Father God is going to love us. And then it gets better yet. In the third step, Jesus said, we will come unto him and make our home or our abode with him. The presence of the Holy Spirit. He'll send the Holy Spirit to dwell within And this verse is a a, a promise of two of the most powerful, wise persons of the universe. Both the Father and the Son are going to live within as long as we are intentionally serving the Lord in in an obedient way. So we took care of the steps that bring us into fellowship with Christ. And here we see where when, when we're in fellowship with Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within and Uh, We can't emphasize too much the word obedient because there's a repeated emphasis of the teachings of Jesus, how his disciples will obey his teachings. So we see obedience is required for fellowship with the Lord. So the, The blessings and the privileges far exceed the cost. And we see here the Father will send the Holy Spirit to dwell within. So we took care of a bunch of steps and now we see the Holy Spirit is dwelling within the second privilege we see here is we're going to be counted as friends with Jesus. John 15, which I turn one page in my Bible, John 15 verses 14 and 15. Jesus speaking here, he said, "You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant's servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. What is a friend? Friends are those who are kind and caring, someone you enjoy talking to and enjoy being with. And that's kind of a vague definition for when we look at verse 14. Jesus is telling us that obedience determines our friendship. You will be my friend, Jesus speaking, if you obey me, if you do whatsoever I command you. You want to have fellowship with Christ? He's saying, yes, obedience is what is Required. You are my friends is a commitment from Christ. That is his part. Then he switches to our part if we follow his commandments, if we are obedient with him. And the third privilege we have is a promise of answer prayer. And then we can look at two verses in John 16, verses 23 and 24. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto ye have asked nothing in my name, ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. So here we see a lot of glorious promises. But here we see one that we have a, a promise of a direct avenue into the very presence of God. And that is through the avenue of prayer. Our approach to God, our communication with him is to be how? Through the name of Jesus. All our prayers and petitions need to be in Jesus' name. Before Jesus came, men talked directly, asked God directly. But the resurrection instituted a new living way into God's presence, and that is through the name of Jesus. And he ends there with a couple extra promises. You, shall, uh, you will receive what you ask, and your joy will be full. Brothers and sisters, do we see the, priv- the privileges of having fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? There's a few more, another verse, Matthew 7, 7, it kind of backs up this. Ask, and, ye shall, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Just promise after promise after promise of those who are obedient to Christ and who have fellowship with him. So the child of God is answered, uh, is promised an answer to their prayer. And yes, sometimes we're called to, to wait. Other times the prayers are answered right away. But God is never too busy to hear, and he will respond at the correct time. So just uh, three little uh, things there, the privileges that we have we are in Christ. Then we get to the third point, my part in the church. So what is our part in the church? We see we can fellowship with Christ, and now Christ calls us to worship together. What is our part And you look at the church and it functions together as a team. And sometimes, oftentimes referred to as a a body of believers. So when playing uh, together with the team, which we we have all done, each team member is striving to do their best to win the game, to, to reach the goal, to conquer the challenge, whatever it may be. And each player is using their ability or their talent to assist the team in order to finish as winners. And the same system functions in the body, each one doing their part for smooth function. What's the ear for? That's for hearing. The nose is for smelling. And the eyes are for seeing and for sight and, and so on, all functioning together to make the body function smoothly. And it's the same way in the church. Everyone plays an important role in the church to make church life run smooth church does not happen by default it takes everyone working together with one goal in mind everyone assisting and building the kingdom of god and his church so this morning you might be a former electrician but in the spiritual life you guys are all builders this morning we're building the church of god Turning uh, turn in your bibles to romans 12 i like to read some verses here in romans 12 these verses when thinking about the line of church these verses jumped out at me And listen to the instructions given here in Romans 12, and take careful note as I read of our attitude and our our response to others. Ask yourself the question as we get to these verses, what does it mean to prefer one another? Excuse me. Define in your mind what, what it means to be given to hospitality. Ask yourself the question, where do we receive our gifts, our talents, and our abilities? We would get them from God, correct? Then ask yourself the question, am I using my gifts and talents and abilities for his glory? And think about my my part, your part in the church. Ask yourself the question, is church life important to me or or to you? Then ask the question, well, where could I improve? So I'm going to read a number of verses here from Romans 12. I don't have a lot of comments. Just think of the questions I just covered there. And ask yourself these questions as we go through. Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And yes, we could stop and and talk here for a while, but I'm going slow. Think about what we're reading. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, I will make one comment. He tells us what to do, and then he gives us the reason why. So you get to a certain point in the verse, you say, why? And he goes on, verse 2. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I say through grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. There we see the subject of humility. But to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. So, we being many, are one body in Christ, every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to grace given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, there we see our gifts, a bunch of them listed there. Where are you at? Are we, and are you f, uh, fulfilling your rule? Let love be without dissimulation. Oh, hold that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly, affectionate one to another with probably love and honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, giving to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. We're going to stop there. See, <clears throat> so yeah, we could talk for another hour on what we just read. But I'll let that for you. Read that sometime. Study that. Ask yourself the question as I ask myself, where could I improve? Instructions are given. And I close with verse 18. As much as it be possible from my perspective, live peaceably with all men. As much as I can do, live peaceably with all men. We're called to build up the body of believers. Turn to Ephesians 4. Got a few more verses here. Ephesians 4, build up the body of believers. Ephesians 4, 11, this is some of the same uh, context that we just read. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, till we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is ahead, head even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I understand that was a mouthful, but we are called to build up the body. God has blessed each one of us here this morning with special talents. Why? So we can keep them to ourselves? No. For the perfecting of the saints. We're here to learn from each other. To glean different thoughts and ideas from scripture. That will forward us on in our spiritual journey. The verses also said for the edifying of the body of Christ. The Lord has placed you here this morning to edify. Again to build up. To use your God given abilities to build his kingdom. The verse said to be all common in the unity of the faith. All that includes you and that includes me. We're called to be what? Promoters of unity. Are we there? Are we promoting unity? We're to speak the truth in love. It takes us a step further than just speaking truth. We're called to speak the truth in love. The whole body fitly joined together. That brings in the thought of a puzzle. Each piece of fitly uh, fitting perfectly together. Referring to us here this morning. Are we snapped together if we can say so? Making a nice, smooth, complete puzzle. Effectual Working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And that phrase is screaming unity. There needs to be, there is unity in a setting where every team member is working together with one goal in mind. Are we promoters of unity? God has you here for a purpose. You are here this morning because you are a builder. Are you building up God's kingdom? Another one we see is we're called. I'll read the verse; you don't have to turn to it. Uh, another one of my responsibilities or my partner churches to give. Act twenty thirty five. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of Jesus Christ of the Lord Jesus how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So the work of the church requires many willing hands. It also includes the action of giving each Sunday. We lift an offering, which is an opportunity to be able to give towards the Lord's work because Jesus said the giver will be blessed. And the point we need to remember here is the fact that we will never outgive God. You can never outgive God. Why? Well, God said he's going to bless the giver. And the more you give, the more you will be blessed. Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much will be required. And when it comes to the thought of giving, by the way, our minds go to the dollar bills, but we're responsible for what we have. If we've been blessed with talents, if we've been blessed with wealth, if we've been blessed with knowledge or time, or, and the list could go on, it is expected that we are to benefit others. So whether it is, is finances or could it be our talents or knowledge or time that we have, are we using what we have, what we've been blessed with, to benefit others? Why? Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. What else is my part? Another point is to promote the work of the Lord. And I love this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our part in the church does not stop at building and serving and giving. We're to be promoters of the work of the Lord. We're called to evangelize the world in Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We're called to glorify God in 1 Corinthians 6. We're called to worship together in Hebrews 11. We're, we're called to adorn the doctrine of God in Titus 2. And as this verse states, we're called to be steadfast and unmovable. And both these words have basically the same definition settled and immovable. And you think of a large rock, it kind of fit this, under this uh, definition. But thinking about our faith in the Lord, are we unmovable and settled in the faith? And I believe that this verse is describing what every church should be filled with. People who will not be deceived and fall away, but rather those who are deeply rooted and grounded in the faith. Church, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Where are we spending our energy? Yes, we're busy people, and most times not enough hours in the day, but are we busy for the Lord? We still have household duties and stuff that we are called to do, but the question is, are we involved in the Lord's work? And this verse continues with a promise, your work for the Lord will not be forgotten. While we're not out there working just simply to be seen, the fact remains that the Lord will bless those who are dedicated to doing his work. Are we promoters of the work of the Lord? A promoter is a supporter of a cause or an aim. Are we promoting the Lord's work? And this thought ties in well with being an encourager and a builder. Are we willing to invest energy into a good cause? And I hope and trust this is defining who you are. Another word uh, from my partner church comes to mind, and the word is commitment. But we're not going to look at this definition. Why? Because if your name... Fits in with 1 Corinthians 15 58, you are already a committed person in the work of the Lord and His church. There is no lack of commitment in the words, be ye steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Church, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What is important to you? Yes, I agree, family comes first, as we saw, but what is important to you? A little more on my part. We're called to be happy at, on our part in the church. We're called to be happy at the thought of public worship. Psalm 122 and Psalm 34. We're called to be rejoicing in the presence of God. Psalm 100. We're, we are to celebrate his mercies. More from Psalm. We're to fellowship with others from Acts and Psalm. We're to keep the ordinance. 1 Corinthians 10. We're to be friendly and show hosp- hospitality towards visitors. Romans 12. I read the verse earlier. We're to seek the lost. Ephesians 6, and also uh, Matthew 28. So we come back to the question that we started with uh, earlier. What is the most important goal you wish to accomplish in your lifetime? Or can we, along with Michael, a uh, day whose focus was in eternity, say, I shall be with Christ, and that is enough. What gets us up in the morning, makes us go, makes us tick, gives us a drive, where are we using our energy? I'd like to close with a verse from 1 Timothy 3.15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave, behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, from where I got my, our title, and the pillar and ground of truth. I ask a question. Is church important to me, and are we doing our part in building the church of the living God, which is a pillar and ground of truth, a safe place to worship and praise our maker and to lay up treasures in heaven. Is God pleased with my role in the church? Let's pause for a word of prayer. Lord, as we come before you here this morning, we're just so grateful and thankful for the instructions you have given to us. And I pray as we look at Romans 12 and other verses that we looked at this morning, that we could be doing our role, our, our part in the church we we'll be pleasing you with our part, Lord, and we'll be building your kingdom. For you had said you will build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, Lord, this morning, as each one of us here can be builders in the church, and as well as tearing down those gates that we can, Lord, Lord live in victory. Give us wisdom and direction. Show us ways where you want us to improve. Just be with us as we play our important role that you have given to us here in the church. Lord, I also pray for this week. I pray that work schedules could be favorable to uh, attending throughout the week of revivals, and I also pray again that you just bless Brother Ed as he prepares and shares. Lord, we're just so thankful for all you've done for us, and we just uh, want to give you honor and glory. In your name we pray. Amen.